give me a real world example. And if that means you have to sit there for 60 seconds or two minutes to think of something, I'd rather you do that than either make something up or tell me what you think I want to hear. Sales, marketing, automotive. Jason Harris has done it all. This is the After Hours with Jason podcast. After Hours with Jason podcast is sponsored by DDS Beer Club. Beer specifically crafted for hardworking sales professionals. Find out more at ddsbeerclub.ca. Hey, what's going on, uh, everyone? It's Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have my guest, Adam Biesenthal, uh, with the Drive Auto Group. Adam, thank you f- so much for taking the time. And my pleasure. Today. So, um, Adam, for the uh, people out there that don't know who you are, would you mind just giving them a couple minutes of uh, how you got started in the industry? So, I, I actually grew up in, in an automotive family. Uh, my mom had worked in leasing uh, my, and then accounting, and uh, you know my, my dad and my uh, stepdad were both either on the, uh, the technician side and, uh, and on the accounting side of the business. So uh, you know I spent my, my youth working in dealerships, everything from you know working the lot to the service drive to uh, clean up to parts um, to office admin work. So you know I, I spent a, a lot of my formative teenage years uh, learning sort of the ins and outs of, uh, of dealership life. Um, and then after school, I ended up going into uh, the professional world and started my first career job at uh, Deloitte and Touche in Toronto. And uh, I was there for about nine years. And uh, the opportunity came for me to, uh, you know, move on and, and find a new career path and direction. So uh, I came back to the automotive world. And uh, I've been with Drive Auto Group now for five years. And I think the the interesting perspective that I bring is that, you know, I started out learning automotive and learning sort of the foundations mm-hmm. of, you know, what a dealership uh, looks like, how it runs. And and then I spent nine years in corporate. And corporate and automotive are just like night and day. They totally so, are 100%. Uh, you know, I, I, I always see things through a slightly different filter than most people do. And uh, I, I find that that actually kind of really serves me well. Sure. And... Uh, it, it's it's really refreshing, especially you know five years here at Drive Auto Group. I started out; it was myself, our CFO, and our dealer principal, and that was it on the group level. And I think what's important is that this was a new position; like this didn't exist at the group it, before. It, it this didn't. Was brand it did not new, exist right? at that time, and. Uh, you know, I had a, had a great mentor who pretty, you know, very quickly moved on back into the store level, mm-hmm. um, and. <clears throat> And, and yeah, so we've, you know, we've grown from uh, five stores when I started and the fifth acquisition actually had just happened prior to my uh, starting with the Drive Auto Group. And we're now nine dealerships, uh, you know, 10 if you count Genesis. But yeah. uh, anyway, we have, uh, you know, nine, nine different dealerships from Whitby to Markham. And we now have uh, close to 40 people on the corporate uh, team here at Drive Auto Group. Um, with everybody helping out from an operational perspective, marketing, CRM, used car management, human resources, mm-hmm. uh, marketing to a, a full-fledged uh, wholesale parts division and now a full uh, business development uh, team both on sales and service. So. The which company, is where we're at right now, right? Which is, is exactly, your, exactly. Brand new office. Brand new corporate location. You guys have been here now for only... Uh, six, seven months. Okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah, no, that was a huge move for us, uh, actually taking all of our drive employees out of the dealership yeah. and uh, and bringing them into one corporate office. So it's 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 a beautiful facility, and uh, it's, it's just been very refreshing for us to, to really be able to, to be here and focus. And when we were designing the floor, we knew that one of the... Uh, really the the successes of the future of our company depended on how well uh, our people operated. Sure. And we realized that we could really make a big change by making sure our people were fully trained. Yep. So there's a very large corporate training center here, um, takes up almost a third of the floor, and uh, and we regularly have training that, that runs every single week for our salespeople, our service advisors, our managers, our receptionists. We want everybody to, to know the absolute best way that they can do their job so they can do the best job that they possibly can. And building a space for them to all to come together in a in an environment that's outside of the dealership, I think is really, really key, it's right? It's huge, right? So you're away from all those distractions. Yeah, because yeah, we know how it is, right? Oh, paging, gosh, yeah, yeah, paging, like, right? So, hey, hey, can you take a look at this deal for me real quick? Or, hey, this customer <laughs> needs to come see you. No, I, I, 
I, I love what you guys have done with this office mm -hmm. and y your BDC is just humming. It's just purring over there. I, yeah. I love just every time I hear, it, I'll just go sit in there for a few minutes and yeah. just listen because it's so much fun to do. And and your guys's commitment to developing out your staff and training, I, I gotta applaud you for that. Thank um, you. You know, that's it's one thing that I would love to see more dealerships really embrace. In fact, I, I just recently had a conversation with the dealership where they wanted to spend more money on their marketing dollars mm. when that's great and all, but in reality, the money would have better been served if actually spent in developing out their out their salespeople and training them. Absolutely, you know, coaching right? Them, right? Absolutely, and and it and as you know, as somebody who started out, you know, exclusively in the marketing side of the business for the group and for the stores, um, you know, my, my heart's with marketing. It really is. Of course. And I, I, I hate to see you know either a reduction or a you know canceling of, of what I consider to be essential services. But I was on, on the road actually attending a, a seminar in Philadelphia uh, about two and a half years ago. And, and myself and our VP of operations had sort of an epiphany moment where we, we realized that we're getting enough leads. Yeah. We really are. Like our, our focus just has to now be on converting on those leads better. And awesome. once the customer gets into the dealership, make sure that we're actually delivering the experience that they deserve. Yeah. And, uh, and and that was that was kind of a big moment for us is that you know we tend to just throw money at problems to try and solve it, but in reality, we need to make sure that our people know the best way to do their job. And I think that's why again it, it's going to come down to training. I think that's mm -hmm. going to really 100%. make or break the future of this company. That's cool. And you guys have made a big commitment in doing in, in getting that started. Absolutely. And, doing that, and I right? mean, don't get me wrong. The business development team, you know, that started out in in a you know a former closet and in a, a former storage <laughs> room that we slapped some drywall up um, you know we quickly outgrew that space so that was a big motivating factor for us to start looking at our own office site um, but we quickly realized that you know we can we can utilize this space for more than just business development yeah so we have everyone from our, our corporate team that resides here primarily and then again it's that training facility that that is uh, you know I want to say sort of one of the crown jewels of, of our company no, I think that's cool. One of the things I'm always kind of interested with groups, because I talk to a lot of groups, is you know where where um, or what is the responsibility of the group versus what's the responsibility of the dealership. And, and um, I want to start at the marketing space and then kind of move on to the operations and development portion. Absolutely. But in that marketing space, what is your guys's kind of I guess theology on this? Is, is what's the dealership's responsibility versus what's your guys' responsibility? What's your take on that? I think one of the benefits of having a centralized department, and you probably say this for almost any one of the departments here, but uh, in marketing specifically, what it allows us to do is to, to really control the message mm -hmm. and ensure that there's a, a level of quality and a level of consistency that you, you don't always necessarily get when mm -hmm. you have it in the store. And you know, with all due respect to, to the dealerships and their managers who operate their marketing departments internally in a dealership, it, it's often not their, their strong suit or their primary focus. It's one of many hats they have to wear. Right? Exactly. exactly. We, we all know that. Like yep. e even in a marketing department, we, we wear many hats, right? We'll, uh, we'll help out with everything from uh, events to you know, the print work to I mean, which again, marketing, but um, you know, not, not the primary focus. but it's the primary focus. It is the primary focus for my marketing department um, is that. And it's ensuring that there's a consistent message, there's a high quality of work that's output, and, and I think that's, that's the real kind of benefit. And what, again, what it allows our dealerships to do, our managers, our salespeople, is to focus on what's most important, which is the customer that's in front of them. Yep or getting the customer on the phone or responding to a customer inquiry or doing follow-up, the customer that's there in front of them, that's the most important thing. That's what they have to focus on. Let them be the master of what they need to be mastering, Absolutely. right? Not the Absolutely. jack of all trades, you Absolutely. know, a little focus on that. Yeah. You know, I've had the opportunity to work with you guys, I guess, for over, a little over a year, I guess. It's yeah, been, yeah, it's time flies, right? Yeah, it might, right? might almost be um, two at this point. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, it's cool watching how your marketing department has kind of evolved and changed. I mean, I, I think very early on it was it was a lot about was you know what vehicles were we going to market and how we were going to advertise those. And you know it was great. Like I walked in this morning and it was talking about how they were going to write out the story of the Honda dealership's dog, the Honda yeah, dealership's yeah, dog, yeah. Scout, Scout, and yep. Scout has its own. 
it's, her, yeah. her, him? It's, it's a her. her? Yeah, okay. it's a her. Has, has her own yeah. Instagram account yeah. as well. Yeah, so she does. It, it's cool. It's cool now when I come in and have these meetings with you guys is that it, it's more about the stories that you're trying to find within the dealerships, not necessarily about those vehicles. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you've seen that shift change over the last couple of years? No, absolutely. I, I think, again, that that speaks to when you start to bring in more marketing experts mm -hmm. is that you start to get focused on really kind of what you should be focused on. And, you know, it's funny with Scout. I mean, she's a, she's a puppy, man. Like she, if she's, she's so cute, <laughs> if she's 10 weeks, she's, she's not by more than a day. And I mean, talk about training. She already knows three or four different uh, tricks, right? Like I, I, I really dropped the ball with my dog cause I think he knows three and he's like six years old, but, but that's just how important it is. And with, with our marketing team, we, we quickly realized that we, we can't do what everyone else does. Yeah. And you know what, for some dealerships, that's all you can do. That's all the time you have in the day is to, is to just get out the, the manufacturer's program, is to just make people aware of it. And if that's all that you have the time or the budget to do, then, then that's fantastic. But what we can do here on the group level is we can start going beyond that. Yeah is providing some additional value from, you know, more than just a store level, um, but more of almost like a brand level, if you well, will. Well, you, you get to tell those stories. Exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. it, the, the vehicle story is well told, you know, um, and now you have the opportunity to, to find out what your guys' group story is, which we've been working on. We have, yeah, no, I, yeah, coming. man, I don't know. I don't know if we can talk about that I don't know, yeah. Um, um, but, but then also finding those stories within the dealerships, like Scout. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or yeah. you know, or, or some of the other funny characters you kind of have with it yeah, within no, your group. We do, you know? right? And and uh, I mean, just kind of roll back the clock again. You know, uh, about two and a half years ago, it was me. Yeah, it was me. That that was the marketing department for Drive Auto Group, and at that point, we were seven dealerships. So you know, not too far away from nine right now, mm -hmm. and. You know, I was I had you know, numerous conversations back and forth with our dealer principal, and and I'm like, we just we need to we need to grow the team. It just yep. has to happen, and it was long overdue. So you know, got approval to add another body to the team. You know, everyone knows hiring can be fun. Sure. So that that was you know a long process, and uh, again coming from corporate, um, you know, I was very familiar with with you know my time at Deloitte about how you screen for an employee how you get them in how you interview what you're looking for when you interview I think is again yeah. that's a whole you want to there's a whole other podcast right there is talking oh, about literally just hiring in automotive in fact we could if you want to go that direction yeah well, I don't I, know right there's like some interesting there's definitely and I think you guys are beginning to see this we well, are right? right like uh just uh you know just around the corner there sits mm -hmm. our our human resources manager for drive auto group mm -hmm. who again we're looking to drive efficiencies and and standardized processes and human resources so I brought on my, my first marketing specialist to the team and and within a year and a half, we had to add a second. Yeah. And we've also since then added a, a what we call social media specialist mm -hmm. who their job is to literally go from store to store and shoot capture video, those moments, capture those, those moments and tell yeah. the stories. And that was, there's my long winded roundabout way to get to, yeah. to to Alexandra, who's been just an amazing addition to our team. And we spent the entire day yesterday at the, the Toronto Auto Show shooting video, telling stories, and and just, again, looking to provide some value to the stores mm -hmm. on a group level. Like, n none of the dealerships individually were doing that. No. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, due to a lack of foresight on my part, I approved Alex uh, to go away on vacation <laughs> right at the beginning of the auto show because I think, you know, that we should have been there on day one. Yeah. Because that's another area that we're, you know, time management. There's a whole other ballpark uh, we need discussion, to get right? We need next time. That's that. I hey, hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, we're going to be there that's Thursday. When you, that's when you want to do it. Exactly. We're going right? to be there Thursday, and, you know, we'll be exhausted for VIP night. And yeah. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, no, that's what's going to happen. So that we'll have content ready to go. Yeah. You know when the auto show kicks off on Saturday, yep. and not you know, and, and continuing to follow after that. It's so really kind of the next couple yeah. of weeks after the auto show where people are really kind of interested. Absolutely, in that. right? Everybody. But, but I think that's what's really cool about what you guys are doing at that group level is is that you're 
you're, search, you're searching for, you're seeking out, and you guys are starting to tell those stories. And, yeah. and this is still relatively new for you. Absolutely. Um, uh, this, this young lady has only been with you guys, I think, now for... Six months. Yeah. But, but again, the beautiful, um, the beautiful thing or beautiful story with, with mm -hmm. uh, Alex is that she has been an employee at one of our dealerships for oh, almost four that. years. <laughs> nice. So, you know, she started off in a part-time capacity and was graduating school. And, you know, we started talking about, you know, is there opportunities in the marketing department for mm -hmm. her? Um, and this came to light. And so, you know, we had some discussions with, the, with you know, uh, operations from a budget perspective, and we, we decided to go ahead with it. And, and it's, it's probably been one of the best investments we've made in the last year. So um, it's safe to say that, that you guys feel comfortable in saying that that is a responsibility of the group level. I think so. Is because is you got to develop out that brand, um, not only just the group level brand, but also the individual dealerships brands and helping and assisting them to find those stories, find those voices, create that content, you know, and put that out there. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people always end up asking me, like, you know, how did you start, right? Because that's usually the hardest part, right, is just how did you start? So you guys hired Alex six months ago, yep. and Alex's first day was, what did that look like? I'm just kind of curious. That, that was, so she was very familiar with one dealership. Okay. And, you know, offhand knew some of the stores. So what I do for almost everyone who starts in the group mm -hmm. here is day one day and unfortunately now day two because we're, we're bigger is just spent visiting the different dealerships sure meeting all the people introducing them getting the dealerships to understand what this individual's role is going to look like so that they're not caught off guard when you know they reach out or they show up in the store and start shooting video right <laughs> like who's this person what's she yeah. doing um, and you know that there's another whole discussion point is communication and proper mm -hmm. communication we're we're getting better we still have a lot of room for improvement but that first day is all about getting familiar and getting comfortable with the dealerships walking through the front door and walking through into the back of the shop and, and meeting everybody i want them to be so familiar because alex isn't just there to still to tell stories on the front of the house yeah she's there to tell service stories, parts stories, body shop well, it's a, it's stories, stories, right? The dealerships, right? Absolutely. I mean, it is the one cool thing about being in our industry is that these dealerships are just content machines. Oh, there yeah. There's so much stuff that we oh, can yeah. talk about. It's just, it's just kind of ridiculous. It's fantastic, right? right? And, and, and I mean, Alex, you know, we, we know it takes people a long time to, to get comfortable yeah, with the so role. Yeah, so how's but that six months kind of been? Is it, is, you know what is, the is, funny thing is, man? She hit the ground running. Yeah? She hit the ground running. She has been fantastic. And one of the highlights, we actually had a kind of a big moment for us last December. We did our first corporate holiday party. So oh, I remember I remember hearing stories yeah, about this. We had to rent out like a whole <laughs> convention center to, yeah. to bring in all of our people because we wanted it to be a big night. We wanted to give back to our people. Sure. We really do. And and so we you know, we didn't just invite them, we invited their their significant others as well so that they could be a part of the, the evening. And one of the highlights of the night uh, Alex and I worked and put together sort of a blooper reel yeah. of some of the footage, right? So, and I mean, like you talk about probably one of the most popular people now in the dealerships, it's her. Because so everybody they, they, knows her, everybody her. sees Everyone's her. She's her, got they're, like they're embracing exactly. Awesome. She's got days and times where she's gonna be there. She knows more people in the, in the group than I do now, right? <laughs> and, and you know what? That's the way it should be. Yeah, it should be. Right? And uh, you know, it, it's you know, with all due respect to everyone else in the team and and anybody else around the office who can hear me right now, but um, you know, she's been one of the best investments that we've made in easily the last couple of years. Well, I, I what I, I applaud you guys for is that. You guys execute on it. You just did it. You know, I, everyone asks me like, "How do you start?" You just do and it. You just right. You just do it. You just do it. And and no, it's, it's going to get better. And there's going to be version one, and there'll be version twenty-five. Exactly <laughs> right. Like you know, we were just talking about. You know, you're a little bit of gearheads, right? So we yep. like our technology tools, and uh, we like you know, voice, yes. we do right. <laughs> you know, we we just realized that we had to elevate our audio in the video. So yep. we went out and bought you know wireless lav mic so that you know she wasn't connected by a physical cord to the camera to the subject um, because we all know what it's like when you record video with just the iPhone. Yeah, audio is, audio is a big deal. Huge right? deal, like I, right? I, I do tell everybody that if when you, you are going to get started, yeah. look, the consumer's okay with maybe some dim lighting and maybe even sometimes a shaky hand, but if they can't hear really clear the words that are coming out of your mouth, Super important. they're just right on to the next one. Absolutely. So there's just, there's, but Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, again, we, you know, Alex, 
tons of social media experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, being from sort of that, that generation that's just totally immersed in it. Um, but, you know, we had to sort of break it down and start talking about some of the fundamentals. And, yeah. you know, there's definitely, and, you know, her and I talk about it, but, you know, there's room for improvement from a, a quality and a technical standpoint still. Because, you know, again, it's it's composition, it's lighting, it's audio. Yeah. Right? If you, if you had, those are sort of the three legs to the tripod when it comes to making video content. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's some room there. You know, we're we're kicking around the idea of upgrading the actual video next. Uh, you know, are we looking at uh, like a mirrorless body, something to to really kind of elevate the quality beyond the you know the iPhone that she's using sure. right now primarily. Um, well, and I think that's actually a fair thing to point out right now. Yeah. Is that she started with an iPhone? With an iPhone. Yep. All right. We we we're not talking. Nope. This huge ridiculous monster investment. Nope. It was literally, hey, grab your phone. I'm gonna talk straight to it, and yep. that was the first. That was it. That was the first video. That was it, right? And it's it's so important. And again, the benefit of being on the group level mm -hmm. is that I it's it, it's content. You know, everybody's been saying it for years. Content's king, right? And sure. The problem quality again. Content's quality content. Quality content. Quality content. <laughs> but with all the different hats that we're asking our people in the dealerships to wear, they can't do it in a consistent basis. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, you know, there's some exceptions in the automotive world right now where sure. some people are just killing it, um, but not everybody's as passionate about it. Yep. So we were able to give our groups that consistency and that, you know, that, that content and that quality and the ability to tell stories that they see fit. Some of the stores have, you know, they've really started developing their own voice and their own uh, story and oh, you, I love watching how these narratives yeah. are, are, are evolving yeah um, I've seen one of the dealerships start to kind of make more of like a weekly type you know episode kind of a piece you know yep. putting that together so look I, I think the bottom line for a lot of people out there that just haven't started yet is hey, you just got to start and it's going you're going to work through it it's, yes you know I, th I think we sometimes overthink it and you know <laughs> yeah. we'll spend more time you know just we thinking and talking unless I'm doing. We we had uh, we had a big corporate discussion here in our in our training center where we brought in all of our general managers, our sales managers, and you know we we said that we don't have a, a an, an idea problem. We've got yeah. tons of ideas and yeah, you guys do right, great ones too, great great <laughs> ideas. We have an execution problem, mm -hmm. and that's that's where we always seem to fall short. Mm -hmm. And I'm just as guilty of it. You know, you, you, you know, we've traveled to some conferences over the last couple of years mm -hmm. and you just come back with, you know, a notebook full of ideas and it's our inability to execute on all of them that, that really kind of hold us back. So how do we get better at that? Mm -hmm. um, and identifying that there's a problem is usually the first step. So we've been looking at some different change management models and uh, processes and, and task management and just looking at different ways to make sure that we're not losing focus of what's most important to us. And I, I probably, I'm sure you probably agree with this, you, you feel comfortable that that's kind of a group level responsibility, right? So again, when we're talking about, you know, difference between responsibilities that the group has and responsibility the dealership has, uh, that execution portion on a lot of these great ideas for you guys seems like it kind of falls at the group level. Absolutely. And I think that's fair. I think it, that's totally It's absolutely cool. fair, right? Like we've, we know that there's a lot of different types of groups out there. Yep. Um, there's some groups that that have a different style than what we have. Mm -hmm. We realize that our, our role here at corporate is more to provide the support and the structure so that our stores can be successful. Yep. Not to, to point out what's wrong, but we can identify opportunities, as we like to say, um, and we can provide solutions to hopefully solve those problems and elevate the stores and help them do better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I say it to all my people, I've said it for a long time, I, I don't want you coming to me with just problems. You can come to me with the problem, but only if you come to me with a, a potential sure. solution as well. So well, it's, I love what you guys are doing on the marketing side. I love that you guys are out there actively pursuing and hunting and searching for these these uh, treasures of stories that exist each one of the dealerships and um, you guys execution of that socially is just it where it was six months ago where it is now and where it's going to be in the next 12 months I'm super excited to watch right Me too um, now on the operation side uh, from a group level responsibility tell me a bit more about how this 
huge commitment to coaching and developing the staff came about? You know, I think it came from where a lot of our great ideas in the industry come from. It's it's from a lot of the conferences we go to. Mm-hmm. But really, I think for us, the we're corporately here, especially in, in some of the executives, we're, we're just avid, avid readers, consuming anywhere from, you know, my goal for 2018 was was 25 read 25 books throughout the course of the year and and i, I did it i like like That's it was cool. like it was like <laughs> it was new year's eve and I, I finished that last book right and and thank you audible because that's it's one of the only ways that i was able to actually kind of tackle that but i can't you know, read i can only listen I yeah just do it. um but I, I wanted it to and, and then this year it's going to be an evolution where it's a blend of i want to make sure i'm actually physically reading yes um versus audible because i feel like there's a, at least everybody has to know what their learning style is and i sure, digest okay. in different ways so before i digress any further there it, it came from reading book yeah it did um and it was one of two books, but the, the one that really kind of drove it home for us was, uh, it was a novel by uh, Isidore Sharp. It was his own autobiography, and he was the, the creator of Four Seasons, okay. Four Seasons Hotel Chain. And, and they just you know, spoke to the, the, the importance of training. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what they have to do. Everybody's empowered because they know what they have to do. Yeah. And, and then there's just a, there's a cohesion and there's a, there's a, there's a buy-in. And, and you get this crazy thing called culture when that kind of exactly. all comes together, right? Yeah, exactly. And we don't really have that. I mean, some of the stores will occasionally ad hoc invest in training here or there, but nothing can it's on spotty. a consistent kind of, basis, right? And again, corporate, uh, you know, all my years at Deloitte, every single person who starts at that firm mm-hmm. starts day one. If It doesn't matter if you're a male clerk or if you're a partner. You start and you attend new hire orientation. Oh wow! New employees only start Monday, and they're there for new hire orientation. It's two days, and they go through everything that you need to know to just do the basics of your job. Yep. Um, from your email, from your process standpoint, from you know security, how you get in and out of the building, like everything, right? Mm-hmm. So we realize that you know we're again hiring a whole other podcast, but that we need to make sure that our people who start know how we want them to do business. For sure. That, that way you, um, you guys, I believe, have also kind of taken on the responsibility of what the user experience is going to be at each one of your guys' locations. And for you to do that, you have to develop and train and coach your staff yep. to exactly what those processes are going to be. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's a big, gigantic room. Um, you've been here for six months. How's that kind of gone? I'm just, you know, for a lot of people that, that have thought that are yep. kind of in your guys' case, let's, I'm, I'm thinking of the people out there that are listening right now that were you guys a year ago, yep. you know, and just kind of got started with this. What does kind of the last six months look like for you guys on that development portion? I mean, it's been an evolution. Yeah. It's definitely been an evolution. Um, and we've realized that we, we have to almost treat this like we're, we're starting a school. Okay. So, yeah, and we've had to build out content. Yep. We've had to put together the schedule, the syllabus. We've had to put together what the entire class is going to look like. And mm-hmm. we've, you know, we've gotten to the point now where you've, you know, again, we know that automotive can be very, um, very difficult to schedule mm-hmm. from even from meetings to appointments sure. to whatever you want to say. So, you know, we realized that we couldn't just run a Monday to Friday, you know, nine to one or, or whatever. We had to give people the ability to, to come and do the training on a more flexible schedule. Okay. So we've essentially broken it down into, you know, to, in order to get this certification, in order to be drive certified. I like that. That's great. You cool. have to get this many credits. Okay. And that, that's, that's all that's entailed. So, you know, again, for our people who've been with us for a long time mm-hmm. or have just been with us for a couple of years, they, you know, they're coming in and they're doing this training for the first time. And, you know, they might attend two classes on week one and maybe mm-hmm. they can't attend any on week two. But they have the ability to, you know, do, uh, you know, introduction 101 okay, so and then introduction kind of 102 and so introduction they... 103. Gotcha. And, you know, you've got to get these credits in order to complete the course. So it's we, we realize that this is kind of the way that it's going to and it might take some people longer sure. to get through the program than others. But our sort of our ultimate end goal is that before you can speak to a customer, 
mm-hmm. you're going to have to be drive certified in order to do so because that way we know that you're able to handle the customer the way that we need you to handle the customer in order to deliver the experience that drive auto group wants to deliver that that totally makes sense i mean look at the end of the day we have to develop out what these processes are um the processes are designed with the intention of creating an experience yep. if we can't train consistently across the board and have everybody participate in the same process then measuring the effectiveness of that process will never give us the ability to continue to develop out and make even better processes absolutely right? so i'm curious the syllabus like what are some of just some of the courses what are some of the courses i'm curious so again we're we're the primary focus right now is on our sales okay cool. staff our service advisors and our managers okay and when i say managers i mean everybody from sales managers service managers general managers cool. um, because that's a whole other area that we believe there's there's a lot of room for training there it's, and it's a great place to spend some time in because we all know that everything trickles down. So absolutely, you know, top tra- down training and developing from the top is just really going to support everything downwards. And, and you know, when I when I mentioned that it's been an evolution, that's what we've realized. You know, we started out where we wanted to train all of our sales associates. Sure. And we realized though that if we trained them up to the best that we wanted or needed, and then we put them back in the store, we realized that the managers had no idea what we were training them on or uh, yeah, how to manage sense. that and so again it's 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 a holistic approach it has to be mm-hmm. in order for it to succeed and that's why this training has to happen sort of concurrently we can't just you know do it all at one time and, and we want this to you know we want to do it right mm-hmm. but at the same point we, we need to do it fast as well we can't have this be something that takes two years to, to fully mature. We, we need this to you know get off the ground as quickly as we can. So I, I'm curious, uh, for let's say a salesperson, um, how long would it take typically for a salesperson to become drive certified? So how many different courses did, is it kind of lined up there? Let me, me, I don't, don't want to give away too many trade secrets here, but um, <laughs> let me let me break it down into to two different ways, right? So there's, there's two approaches that we've taken to this. Okay. One is a new hire. Okay. And with the new hires, we have we typically see two types of individuals that we're bringing into our, our organization at this point. One is the experienced salesperson who's maybe been selling cars for five years, 10 years, 40 years, whatever sure. it might be. We, we still need them to understand the way that we do business. So every single new sales associate that gets hired within the group comes and spends anywhere from four to six weeks here in business development. Mm-hmm. at our corporate office, and they're attending training. They're learning what it, it means to be working in an activity-based culture because we can't just come internal lights and fog up the window and get what we get. We have to generate business. And we want that same attitude to, to get down to the, the sales floor as well. So managing their own portfolio of business, realizing that they're an entrepreneur, and and you know there's, there's a lot of other pieces that kind of fall into this. But again, experienced or new individual, the amount of time they spend in that new hire onboarding process Mm -hmm. is dependent on their existing skill set. Some of them can move through the training faster than others, but it's understanding, again, activity, it's understanding scripting, tonality, and bringing emotion into your voice and not just just reading the script like this (laughs) and, you know, hi, how are you? We we need to bring emotion into what we do. And I mean, it's, it's, it's something that can be really difficult when you're doing the same thing multiple times throughout the course of the day. But as I tell all of my business development reps, you might be making your hundredth call of the day, but the person that's picking up on the other line is picking up for the first time. Yep. And they need to know they need to think that it's the first call that you've made. So that attitude has to happen or has to permeate down through the sales team as well. So they again they run through everything the same type of training the business development does, but then they get into specifics. So what does a proper introduction look like? Mm-hmm. Down to where you greet them eye contact, tonality, and, and scripted. Every single, we want almost every single piece of the interaction to be running off of a script. Sure. And, you know, for everyone out there who really doesn't like scripts. Well, there's, what you're doing is you're standardizing. There, there, there's, I mean, you still, I imagine you're still giving them some space to find their, their voice. A little bit. And their tonality and, and their you know, a little uh, bit. approach to it. Yeah. But, but you, you do have to, if you're going to effectively measure um, the effectiveness of your process, you're going to have to standardize it. Absolutely. You're just going to have to. Absolutely. There's no other way of doing it. But you, I mean, from a management perspective, if you, if everybody's doing something differently, 
you can't accurately compare results. No, not you're, at all. You're, not at all. You know, I, I hate the saying, but you're comparing apples to oranges. Yes. They're both fruit. Why can't you compare them? But, <laughs> um, but they have to be doing it sort of the same way. And again, I and I say this to I say this to people in, in the interview is that we are 100% a scripting department our business development team. You have to use mm -hmm. the scripts. There's no questions asked. But don't think of it as something that's bad. I like to think of it as it's like a movie script. Yeah. That's meant to be performed. Yes. Not read. And every performance, uh, no matter the script, everyone's going to perform that script slightly different. Slightly different, but but the wording's very important. Yes. Right. And, I, and again, I like to make sort of the analogy that like if if you're an Oscar-winning screenwriter, like you got that trophy on the mantle, man. So that means you know the right way to put words together to deliver the message that you want to. And that's not to say that maybe you're open to a little change here and there. Sure. But there's usually a very specific reason why why things are said in a specific order, and sometimes just changing. The structure of a sentence or removing one part of the sentence can have a big effect on yes. the message that gets conveyed. So, yes, I get that we want people to be able to grow into their own message. In the very beginning, it's it's very important for them to just internalize that script. Of course. So, introduction, greeting, um, information gathering. Um, you know, we want the the customers to understand that we're you know we want them to just find the right vehicle. Mm -hmm. You know, data, we love throwing up facts and figures in this business. So, you know, how many people that come in to buy uh, a Civic end up buying a, a Pilot or that come in wanting to buy a Pilot and end up buying an Accord, right? Like, don't just assume because the customer's coming in looking at something that that's the only thing that they, or maybe it's more accurate to say the thing that they actually need. For sure. So you, well, have, you to, have to have a conversation. You have to have a conversation You actually have to be social. Whoa. Yeah, absolutely, right? <laughs> and I think... With all due respect, we love to say this here in corporate. It's, it's so easy to say some of these things without being there in the store. Yeah. Um, easy said uh, than easier done. But but I think the internet has made things really easy for the dealerships over the last five years to ten years. Sure. Right? The, the customers come in now. They know, I want that used Civic. And it was either, there it is, or, sorry, it's sold. Yep. And I think we've lost a little bit of that that salesmanship that ability to have the conversation build relationships and we'll tell a story tell like a we story just, we, it literally order takers is the Absolutely. term that gets used a Absolutely. lot you know is that they're not trained or coached or developed yeah. you know to actually value into yep. something right and the consumers buy a story before they buy the product but if there was never a story ever presented then the only thing they have to go off is the product and the price and that can make things increasingly difficult absolutely and I think that again it, it is not saying anything bad because just naturally we're gonna take the path of least resistance oh, yeah, 100%. It's right normal. It's just and you know I think it wasn't it didn't something that necessarily happened overnight but it definitely happened at, at one particular point so um, we just want to make sure that they're they're treating the customers the way that the customer kind of wants to be treated. Yeah. I mean, again, here's a whole other podcast: is customers' expectations. Customer? Yeah, no. Customers' <laughs> expectations coming into a dealership. You know, I, I don't walk into McDonald's and say, you know, let's negotiate on the price of the coffee. No. Um, but you know, we we have this. There's this expectation out there that they can negotiate on the price of a vehicle. Meanwhile, not knowing that our, our margins are so, so small right now. It's not now. like what it used to be. It's, it's not it's, like... We, we don't actually no. control the profitability of vehicles anymore. The manufacturers control the profitability Absolutely. of the vehicles. On the new car side specifically. Car used but, a little bit, but even then, but used with, is now, with technology and information, it is not no, what it used to be. No. And the internet, the internet drives our business. And if you're not priced in that top 10 block, you're not going to get the same amount of interest on the vehicle. Um, as, as you used to be. So the, the price of the car is the price of the car. You can't, just because you bought the car for whatever, 10, doesn't mean you can sell it for 15 or 13. Yeah. Maybe you bought it for 10, but the market says the car is going to sell for nine. Exactly. That nothing's going to change. If you try to put it up for 13, it's probably just going to sit there for 365 days. And hopefully you know that it's been there for 365. There's a whole other discussion. But again, we have to make sure that our people are handling customers the best way that they can and i i know yeah i know that i want to have our customers have the best experience when they come to our dealerships mm -hmm. i mean again and, and that's kind of becomes that's the responsibility that you guys have taken ownership yes. of all right that you're going to ensure that this experience 
as good as bad it's going to be, it's ultimately going to be the responsibility of us at the group level. Well, you know, marketing, one of the big responsibilities for us is responding to all these online reviews. Yes. So, yeah, I want it to be the best possible experience. So we're only <laughs> thanking the five star customers. And you guys customers. are real close to that. So, you yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, OK, look, I. The group level, I love it. What the responsibility at the marketing level uh, or uh, at the marketing department, what the group level's responsibility is at developing out and creating and maintaining that experience through the training and coaching of the staff. And now let's talk about hiring because I think there's just been a fundamental shift in the last few years because I don't think it's been long. It's just probably in the last few years of what we're really looking for yep. you know, in the hiring. And now since you guys have kind of defined out what that marketing experience is going to be, what that in-dealership experience is going to be, I, I imagine that now what you're hiring for is just way different than what you guys were looking Absolutely. for in the past. Absolutely. And I mean, we're looking to evolve the entire role. Mm-hmm which is what is going to change the the sort of the demand for the specific types of individuals. Again, you go back maybe not even maybe not even 2 years. Mm-hmm. And you needed a new salesperson, what did you do? You went on to TADA and you put up a job ad. Yeah. Everybody was fishing in that same pool and when you fish in the same pool you're going to get the same fish. Exactly. Right? And we we realized that that you know we needed to sort of cast a wider net. Mhm and attract different types of individuals. So we're doing everything now from attending job fairs at schools to speaking at at different universities and colleges about what it's like to work in automotive. Inform them, not just at Georgian College with their their automotive school of business, which we're doing as well, but we're we're attending Durham College and UOIT and we're going to University of Toronto and we're, we're attending as many of these different areas to try and just if we can, if we can just get one or two people out of these sessions, that even if it's in two years, that they want to come into automotive, it's a, it's a great industry to work in. It really is. It is, and unfortunately, there is some stigma about well, the industry. There's a ton of stigma, you know. But things have changed a lot. I mean, I remember, and I know I've told this story a few times, but um, twelve years ago, a gentleman came to work at one of the dealerships I was working at, and um, I come to find out that he actually received a almost a $10,000 signing bonus for leaving his existing dealership and coming over here. Now this gentleman sold a lot of cars, uh, seven, 800 units a year just on himself. I mean, you know, had an assistant or two, just sold a lot of cars, right? Yep. Um, but that was, back then it was because of their sales ability. You know, back then, deal, you know, customers went to seven dealerships before they made a purchase. Yeah. They're not the one point, what does Google say? One point yeah, four, anywhere one point three. from I yeah, I've, I've heard as um, low as like, <laughs> I've heard let's, it. let's call it two. Let's yeah, say exactly. Two. <laughs> right? yeah, <laughs> let's I, say they go to two dealerships, yeah. right? So it's different now. It's not, yeah. it, it's not so much, I find, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, that it's more about branding than it is about their ability to sell because you can teach, you have a huge room, huge department to do that. You can teach and coach and develop someone to sell, but to know how to brand themselves and how to have that that personality and that passion, that kind of just, you gotta look for that, you gotta hire for that. And I think the the natural, it's funny, I wouldn't have chose the, the term branding, but they have to sell themselves. Yeah. Right. And they they have to do it in person mm-hmm. because I think that that's the most important because what we've done now is we've kind of taken back, you know, all, all the Internet leads, right? They all funnel through a business development team. You don't yes. have to be this charming person on the phone or on the interview Which or sorry, on, in, in, in an email story um, because we look after that here in business development. You just have to be your best version of yourself when the person gets into the store. Yes. And and, and again, that that comes through the training that we're running here. But the individuals we're looking for now, we just need somebody who's, you know, can, can kind of come across as an expert, be a person of influence, and be sharp as a tack. And and we don't we don't necessarily need that guy who's who's sold 800 cars. No. Um, unless that individual. I mean, there's a whole other discussion around relationship-based selling. Yes. But no, we just need somebody who's able to execute on. The plan that we've given them because we give character. you the plan. You need someone that's got some energy and excitement yeah. there, and you know it. That uh, that passion becomes infectious, you know. So it's like I feel like this is how we have to kind of hire. Is and and is this kind of what you guys yeah, are now looking for? It absolutely for? is right. And we're again. I think I had, I had the benefit of having a, a really amazing manager and, and and support structure in my time at Deloitte that taught me 
really what the best things to kind of look for when you're interviewing and when you're hiring. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's not about the questions that you ask. It's not the answer that they give you. It's how they answer it. Oh, okay. Can you elaborate a little bit on So what are some of the questions? Uh, that makes sense a lot. Like, it's not necessarily what they say. It's, it's kind of the method or how they're saying it. Well, you're, you're, looking for, you're looking for somebody who's able to sort of articulate a story. Okay. And hope, like I tell everybody before we begin the interview-based questions uh, in the interview is I tell them that I want you to pull from actual experience. Mm, there you go. Don't just tell me what Google or LinkedIn or Workopolis tells you to answer these interview questions. Because I tell you, I pull and it changes from time to time, but I pull my interview questions from there. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I want them to answer them, but I want them to answer them their way. And you'd be surprised the struggle. And I, I'll tell them, I'll say to them straight up, give me a real world example. And if that means you have to sit there for 60 seconds or two minutes to think of something, I'd rather you do that then either make something up or tell me what you think I want to hear. Because I, I know. Yeah. I've, gosh, in the last year alone, we've probably done anywhere from 100 to 200 interviews for our business development team. I imagine the amount of stories you heard. Right? Tons. I heard tons. Tons of them. So, Just curious, any one of them stick out? Just, uh, is there maybe a handful? Uh, oh, <laughs> ones that I can tell? <laughs> um, ones you can tell. I, I love the question... Um, I'll see if I can remember the phrasing, but I, I love the question where you're asking them, what, what, what types of individuals don't you like to work with? Okay, that's a good one. Right, it's a good one, right? <laughs> and I mean, I've had some, some answers, and I mean, I'm not going to repeat the actual one, but I've had one where I'm like, no, that, that's it, it's, it's over. And I've had some other interviews where I've, you know, some interviews will run 90 minutes, I've cut off interviews in, in, in 15 minutes if I absolutely no it's not going to be a fit yeah so yeah i've heard a lot of different uh, different answers and different responses but uh it's it's really it's really funny it, it's it, i i love i love interviewing i think it's great and yes. meet a bunch of people and um and try to formulate an opinion on a person in 60 minutes or less and again it's 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 the looking for the honest answers so i'll ask Authentic, them yeah. i'll ask them questions about you know what are your five-year or ten-year plans Mm -hmm. um, especially in business development, where it's an entry-level role. Yep. Not everybody who applies for our position is looking for a, a lifetime career in automotive. And one of the newer questions that I started asking is, what if you walked out of here and you went and you scanned your lottery ticket and you won $10 million? What would you do? And good, you probably get some good responses that one. You get some good <laughs> responses, right? But the, the, it's funny. The most common response I get from people is, oh, yeah, no, I'd still come back and work here. Meanwhile, we just had a whole discussion about how you want to start your own fashion line. Travel the world. Travel the world, right? But, but you're telling me that you'd come and you'd work in a business development team? No, I'd rather, I'm looking for the authentic answer, which would be, you know what, I'd go back to school or I would take that and invest it into my own business and try yep. to start my own enterprise because that's a more authentic answer. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I totally credit this to my previous boss because I, I made a personal referral. One of my best friends, I was best man at this guy's wedding and I referred him to, for a position there. And he came into the interview and he said to, to my old manager, he said that, oh yeah, I, in five years, I actually want to be doing this at this different company. And <laughs> Yeah, when I heard it, I had this like I thought I'm like, oh my god, what what Dude, what did I just you do? Yeah, you for this right? job. What are you saying? But he got the job because it was he real. answered the question in, in an honest fashion. Yeah, and and that's what I'm looking for is is the honest answer from an individual. Obviously, honesty goes so far, but well, it's the honesty, but also the way that they're giving you and how they're executing on that answer. Absolutely. it's their tonality. It's the it's the passion. Are they leaning? back in the chair are they leaning into you yep. you know when they talk right it, it's i think what it is is it, and it sounds like it is that you're hiring storytellers and their hiring ability to tell a story absolutely and i mean this is there's other there's also a bunch of little things as well yeah. right like well, again and this is this is like corporate stuff probably but you know you got to show up with a copy of your resume yeah. you should be bringing some type of paper and pen to write on and take notes you should probably have some questions you should have done some research on the company how you dressed appropriately for the role is it i don't care if it's winter do you still have your jacket I mean, on find, and your that hoodie that reminds me out i'm always amazed by that one i just yeah. dumbfounded people show up for an interview i'm like 
You're dressed in a hoodie? <laughs> it, it looks like you haven't shaved in, in, in a week and a half. Like it, it's, you know, yes, entry level, but again, you, you dress for the job you want, not yep. the job that you're, that you have. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm kind of weird. I'm tricky and I'll, sit there and I'll, on purpose, I won't bring a copy of their resume so that I get to ask them, I'm sorry, I forgot, do you have a copy of your resume? Yeah. So I want to know, are they prepared? Do they, do they actually Maybe care about this a really role? good resume. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so again, it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of little things that I, it, people, again, I had the benefit of learning from somebody who had done it a lot. Yeah. And, and he had that same benefit. And, you know, I think a lot of automotive interviews are just kind of usually, you know, two people going into a, an office and shooting the breeze, talking about, you yep. know, old car stories. And I know that guy and I know <laughs> this guy and that's great. Awesome. When can you start? And it, 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 it's not any type of true reflection on the individual, what they believe in. And I mean, there, then you get into doing proper reference and background checks on, mm-hmm. on individuals. When you're hiring from that same pool or you're hiring somebody who's already employed, how do you do a background check? Yeah, we know it's a small world, right? The second you call, oh, it is. It you know, it really you call Jim at the <laughs> other Honda store and ask him about, you know, John, it gets it gets Let around. Let me real tell quick, you a right? story. <laughs> well, yeah, or that, but but you know, then you're. I, I also want to respect the privacy of the individual. So if they're still working at a dealership, it's tough to That's do a background tough. check, right? Yep. But at the same point, you need to know who you're hiring. Yep. We have to solve that that turnover problem or at least try to minimize it as much as we possibly can. And you only do that by hiring, hopefully hiring the right people, by training them and and giving them all the tools they need to succeed. Because ultimately, if the person that you hire doesn't make it to 90 days or they quit after six months, it's most likely a reflection that you either picked the wrong person or you didn't do a good enough job in, in setting them up and training them. Yeah. So, you know, people need to really kind of look in the mirror when, when you have a turnover problem, you're either not hiring properly or you're not training properly. Well, and the cool thing is, is what you guys are doing at the group level as, as far as um, developing and controlling that marketing message and those stories, um, uh, developing out what that experience is going to be. The next evolution is just really kind of developing out the hiring because you know what you're hiring for. You, you know what you're trying to achieve over here in the marketing department and the stories that you're trying to, to, put, to put out there. Mm-hmm. You know what you're trying to achieve as far as what that in-dealership experience is. I mean, you guys just now kind of developing and controlling that hiring practice for all those locations. Yep. It just, it, it's got to be a beautiful thing. So, And one of I, the other big pieces as well is, uh, is that we've realized that not everybody or maybe more importantly, not the types of individuals we want to attract are looking for commission-based roles sure. or at least heavily percentage commission-based roles. What's this interesting? Have you guys, are you guys thinking about changing it? Thinking. Or have you? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't aware. Yeah, no, we've, we've, we've started the process. Again, it's going to be a process. Of it's course. going to be an evolution. Of course. But, you know, everybody, not everybody who's looking for a professional career wants that. Some of them want the stability of a salary. I, I love it. I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, no. I did it in my own dealership when I had my own dealership, yep. and that was years ago, and I got crud for it then. You know, it's just, look, I, I like you, uh, you, you have an expectation of what this role consists of, and I don't think it's necessarily fair that commission uh, is in line with what those expectations are, because my expectations were pretty high. So it made yeah. pretty, it was, for me, it was really straightforward. It made sense. So like. These, I have high expectations, I have a lot of processes, a lot of roles, I, this is what I need them to do. I mean, for, fairly for me to come out and ask them, I had to present them, I had to create some level of a salary for to do Absolutely. so. And then, I, I don't know, how are you guys doing it? I, I rewarded my staff on their volume, not necessarily their profitability, in, con, in, in, com, in, combined, in, in addition to their salary. What are you guys doing? Uh, we're going a bit of a different route because we, again, we, we believe much like the business development model for our sales staff it's more about the amount of activity that you do mm-hmm. 100% the amount of activity you do provided you're doing it the right way yes will predicate your results and that's how we've started structuring our pay plans mm, so it's cool. it's not about the volume of cars that they sell okay it's not about the amount of money that they gross on those deals because yep. we believe that again that's just a manageable part of 
their job. It's not necessarily their manageable part. It really should be managed. Oh, it is. It is, right? And that's what I mean. So I think it's it makes manageable. Total sense. Right? Yeah, totally sense. And our our pay plans are, are, are paid and structured that way. Wow. So we want them to, to understand that that's how they're going to be successful. Okay. And, you know, we're not talking with the salary world about changing the average compensation. We're just talking about, you know, more so keeping it in that same range, but mm-hmm. structuring it in such a way that we can now set some expectations for the role because you're getting paid a salary. We, the way we look at a salary is that we're just kind of almost prepaying you your bonus in yeah, a salary it's, form. It's really what it sense is, it's what it is, 100%. You're gonna pay them anyways, right? But in order to get that, you have to do this, 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 and this. That's, that's our minimum expectation. Again, just like somebody who, who starts at McDonald's or any other role from working at a, you know, at a, at a fast food restaurant all the way up into to corporate. When you have a salary, mm-hmm. that just means that you are now expected to do your job and deliver on 100%. certain expectations. So 100%. We, we make sure that these expectations are clearly defined from, the, you know, from hiring, all the way through and sure. they're, they're, they know exactly what is expected of them every single day. And it's not about doing a deal a day. Mm-hmm. That will come just from doing the activities. Doing the activities, exactly. It, it's yep. not just about what the sale is, the byproduct of the activities that we Absolutely. put into it. So you're, you're going straight salary then, eh? Not straight. Okay. So there's, there, there's a there is a incremental level for based on what exactly? There is There, there are bonuses and commissions that are okay. paid out based on activity okay. that they do. Um, what would be one example? I'm just curious. One example would be uh, what we consider to be an activity, which would be either a phone call, an email, or a text. Okay. And they, so they cool. have goals and they have targets that they have to hit in order to, to get those those additional bonuses. So it's, is it progressive? I don't really know. I think it's just a reshaping of the way that we're paying. It's no, not. No, I think it totally makes sense. It, it's, uh, it's in line with what you guys' goal and objectives are. Right. We, we know that the sales are a byproduct of these activities happening. All right. So as, as long as I create that pay structure that encourages uh, these activities are being done on a very regular basis and almost to the point where it's religion. Yeah. You know, and it kind of has to be right. Yeah. You know, we know that the result is going to be here. So it maintains a consistency of those activities totally across the board. So I think it's. I think it's actually pretty cool. Like, so the, the role is such now we're at the end of every single day. And again, this is old school in a sense. Yeah. That, you know, here's here's my day, Mr. Mr. Sales Manager. Mm-hmm. I've done so many phone calls, emails, text messages, spoke to this many people, booked this many appointments, and I, and I sold one car. But this is my day, and the manager has to sign off on it. On the activities. Yeah. The results are just the byproduct of and the And much like business ah, development. Much like business development, that those salespeople are actually managed to the hour throughout the course of the day. Yeah. So what are they pacing? How many have they done so far? That had to be another big part for you guys, right? Absolutely. Because if you don't have a way to measure it all, then none of it yep. works, yep. right? Because what's the traditional way of measuring the success for a dealership in a day? Well, in the past, it's just been sales. That's sales. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. How, many, how, how many races did you get today? Yep. Right, that that's it, and and we that's that's not an actionable measure. No, uh, I mean, there's there's outside of you know we're we're a next up group. Yep, um, we we use that in every single one of our stores, and that that gives us at least a little bit of a sort of an activity, but not the full measure, because I believe that the success of the dealership is a little bit more tied to the amount of activities they've done in a day, not even necessarily the amount of people that showed up. That just inbound, outbound. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. So, um, and, you know, we've also gotten away from sort of group level reporting. Okay. Uh, you know, previously at the end of every day, the report went out to all of the stores in the group as to which store sold, how many, had how many ups, et cetera. But that it's not important for store A to know what store B did. It no. has no impact on store A's uh, job at all. No. So just store A, focus on yourself. It's again, like what I tell all my employees. That's very, that's very proactive in itself. I know a lot of groups that unfortunately kind of like to put their dealerships against each other. Yep. You know, and they do that through what you just stated. And look, just that's putting those reports out. That's there. still going to happen. That that still has well, happened, right? Healthy competition's okay. Healthy you competition's know? still okay, right? Like they, they, you know, they all they all know they all try to hold off on putting through their uh, their numbers at the end of the month to see <laughs> if they can slide a couple of extra in there to to be that number one store, but. On the day to day, it's not important. It's no. it's it's really not. And again, it's it's an old school mentality, but 
at the end of the day, it's just about what you do in the course of the day that's going to predicate whether or not you're going to be successful. Yeah. And we're trying to attract these these individuals that are just there. They maybe they've never worked automotive in their life. Maybe they've never even worked sales in their life. Sure. Um, but you know, they are just looking for that that job that gives them a little bit of freedom. And I think the real kind of cool thing right now that nobody really kind of talks about is that we're, we're trying to sort of evolve and change that business right now. Yeah. So the people that come to work for us, they're, they're going to be part of something that's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty unique in the automotive sphere. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's exciting. I think that's, that's, it's a really kind of cool thing. And, and it's, it's no, for well, somebody who's, cool. who's been here from, you know, uh, for five years now and, and seen that evolution. Um, there's, there's not too many people again, outside of our control or our, you know, corporate, uh, our corporate controller mm-hmm. and our, our dealer principal that have been here long enough to see that evolution. So um, it's it's really exciting. I, I'm so excited to see you know where you guys have come in the last couple of years, where you guys are heading, mm-hmm. and um, you know for people out there that are considering to get into the automotive industry, where can they go to learn a bit more about the Drive Group? Well, uh, you know, you can visit our, our website at okay. uh, driveautogroup.ca. Um, visit us, obviously, on any one of our social media channels. Um, but I'm, I'm always more than been willing to, to, to chat with anybody, uh, talk to them about the industry. You know, I love having discussions right now around the concept of, of price and everything and, uh, and, and, and the future of the business and talking about expectations, you know. Uh, I, I love that. So, you know, if anybody wants to, to, to reach out to me, you know, feel free to, to connect with me on LinkedIn or uh, any one of the social channels. I'd be more than happy to discuss the, the business. And, uh, and it, it's just, it's really, really exciting. I, I mean, just get so jazzed up, so excited. I love Thinking about the future. So cool. Yeah. So, Adam, I really, really appreciate your time. I know you got to jet up to another meeting. Yep. Uh, thank you so much, man. Thanks, for Jason. For taking the time. Appreciate it, man. Meeting with me. All the best.